Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. Before we get to our passage this week, Heritage Bible Church wants to make sure you ladies out there are aware of an upcoming opportunity. Our 2019 Ladies Conference is going to be held on Friday, September 20th through Saturday, September 21st. The theme this year is Living Wise in a Foolish World. And as our world becomes more and more foolish as we watch, this is very timely. You can find out more and sign up on our website at www.hbc-boise.org. That's www.hbc-boise.org. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we're in the book of Mark, chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. Jesus answers another question brought to him by the Pharisees, the religious but hypocritical Jewish leaders of the day. It was another challenge. Why weren't Jesus' disciples fasting when everyone else was? Did they think that they were special? Were they sinning? Did Jesus maybe not realize that the religious leaders of the day needed to be fasting at this time? Well, Jesus' answer had to do with wine and weddings, as well as recognizing when it's appropriate to replace something rather than try to repair it. Well, his response might be confusing on a first reading, but we have Pastor Jim Harris with us to explain the meaning of Jesus' response. Here is today's slice of the message entitled, Repair or Replace? I'd like you to come back with me to our ongoing march through the gospel according to Mark, where this morning we're going to study verses 18 through 22 of chapter 2. And as you keep your finger there, you might want to also flip over to John chapter 1 to help introduce this. You've likely had an experience something like this, especially in our world. You wake up on a cold morning and the house isn't warm, furnace isn't working. Or a hot afternoon and the air conditioning stops working. Or you go out and you try in vain to start the lawnmower. Or maybe you grab your favorite jacket and the zipper breaks. Or the TV won't come on. Or horror of horrors, your smartphone stops working. Well, especially in in our world where... We have hundreds of gadgets and tools that we've decided that we can't live without. We find ourselves often in the position of needing to make that decision of whether something needs to be replaced or repaired. Repair or replace. That's often the question you have to face. And it struck me that that is an analogy to what Jesus did that he's talking about in the passage before us this morning. When he came... He was a Jewish man. He was of the descendant. He was a descendant of David. He was a Jew. He came to the Jewish people and he came to the world that he had created. The people that occupied the world that he created, the ones who were his people, rejected him. The concept developed in our passage for today is introduced in those other terms 
in the introduction to John's Gospel. John chapter 1, starting at verse 11, it says, He came to His own, and those who were His own did not receive Him. Now, there's two occurrences of the word own there, and they they make a distinction. The first one is neuter plural as a pronoun. It means his own things, his own world, the, the physical world of which he was the creator. It means that Jesus came to his own things. The second occurrence of the word own is the masculine plural pronoun. It refers to his people. It's an idiom for one's relatives or one's kinsmen. Here it refers to the Jews. Jesus came to the world. He was the creator and his own people rejected him. Well, you see, he did not come to repair what was broken about Judaism. Now, understand there was absolutely nothing wrong with the Old Testament scriptures. Nothing wrong with the law of Moses. Nothing wrong with the prophecies. Every word of it inspired by God, profitable, valuable, encouraging, uplifting, and all meant to point you to the Savior. Believing what the Scriptures say would lead a person to welcome Jesus Christ and to believe in Him. But the situation Jesus encountered is that the Judaism of His day was apostate, The Pharisees held the greatest influence over the beliefs of most people because they dominated the teaching that took place in the synagogues. There were the Sadducees who held less influence over the beliefs of normal Jews, but they had their own problems. They rejected most of the Old Testament. They held only to the first five books, the books of Moses, and then they did some strange things to those. So the Sadducees didn't believe in life after death. They didn't believe in resurrection. They didn't believe in, in angels and spirits and things like that. So you have the Pharisees who had thoroughly corrupted the teaching of the Old Testament by a, a form of ultra-conservatism that produced an, Arab, uh, an arrogant, judgmental, system of righteousness by works, very self-righteous. The Sadducees had thoroughly corrupted the Old Testament teaching by what we would label today as theological liberalism. They had become nothing more than an aristocratic group of snobs who clung clung to their grip on the priesthood and operating the temple, which they did essentially for a profit. They were the ones who sold the franchises to those people to sell the sacrificial animals and do the money changing and and all of that. In addition to those two groups that had thoroughly corrupted the faith of the Old Testament Scriptures, there was also the group called the Zealots. They don't get as much ink in the New Testament, but they were there and they cared more about uh, uh, developing a political revolution against Rome than they did about spiritual realities. They were interested in Jesus because they wanted a king who would lead their rebellion. Now the point you're going to see this morning is that Jesus did not come to correct those things and patch them up. He didn't come to improve even legitimate Judaism. He came to fulfill the law. He came to replace the corrupted Judaism that so hated him. Read on in John 1. 
He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. What Jesus preached was not improvement. It was not reformation. It was not modification. It was not addition. And it was not repairing anything. It was nothing less than completely new life. Wrought only by God. Internally. Only He can do that. To have what Jesus came to give you, the prescription is right there in John 1, 11-13. You have to receive Him. That means to acknowledge His claims, embrace them, trust Him, devote your allegiance to Him. Believe in Him further explains what it means to receive Him. It means to put your total trust in Him alone. It means to affirm all that He is. It means to bind yourself in obedience to Him. It means to reject every other supposed means of salvation from the wrath of God. And when you have received Him and you believe in His name, the result is, look at it there, born of God. John introduces it there in chapter 1. And then in chapter 3 of John's Gospel, you have that same theme developed again with Nicodemus. And there he uses the expression, born again. And Nicodemus understood. He said, you've got to be kidding. A man can't crawl back into his mother's womb and be born again that's impossible and that's the point it is totally impossible you need a spiritual birth that you are utterly incapable of you can't just improve on what you had and get to the goal line whatever a person believes if it's anything other than trusting only in jesus christ if it's anything other than coming only to him and only by faith and depending only on his grace as defined only by the word of god then it's not a belief that will save now the jews especially the pharisees were exceedingly zealous about their religion Oh man, they kept rules and regulations like no others in their world. But all of their efforts left them infinitely short of salvation. Maybe you've heard this analogy before, but think of religion like the long jump. Right now, I'm still recovering from leg surgery and I can't jump very far. I mean, with a mighty heave and a hoe, I could, you know, you do the hop, skip, and I could do the hop, stumble, and fall, okay? That's about how far. I couldn't get very far. I bet most of you could jump farther than I can. Some people in the room are in their prime, athletically gifted. They could jump a long way. So imagine that we have a long jump contest. I promise I'm going to finish way down near the bottom of the list. A lot here will go much farther, but this particular context, uh, contest is for salvation from the penalty of our sins and deliverance from the wrath of God. And there's one goal. All you have to do is jump in one leap from the south rim of the Grand Canyon to the north rim of the Grand Canyon and stick the landing. You know, a whole lot of people are going to excel far beyond me. And every one of us is going to die on the rocks. 
the bottom of the cliff. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.